Well, hi there. It's been a while. This is Bella's Ballroom, and I'm Bella. We're an anchor podcast. You can find us on Apple, Google Plays, Radio Republic, and wherever fine podcasts are found. How have you been? How have you been? We haven't spoken in a few weeks, and uh, so much has happened. Unfortunately, not good. Um, The horrible explosion in Beirut a month ago, uh, still so shocking to me, so shocking. And um, God bless those poor people. I, I had a dear friend years ago from Beirut, and lovely, lovely people. Um... Of course, we know there's been more incidents, as I will refer to them, uh, horrific incidences, and uh, some that are coming to light from earlier this year, and uh, it's just got to stop. We've got to love each other, nourish each other, have faith in each other. So those of us that are on the side of good, we've got to keep on fighting because this truly is a fight against good and evil. And uh, we must prevail, for we'll all pay the price if we don't. Just keep that in mind. I I try to educate and and have um, patience with some people that their views are different than mine. It's the people that I know that are good people. And um, I don't know. We're dealing with a cult here in America a bad, bad nationwide cult. On that note, uh, (laughs) this is the music for the pandemic series. We're going to play a little music. We're going to forget about troubles for a while. We're going to maybe hear some songs we haven't heard before or that we haven't heard in a while. We've got a special guest coming up in a little bit. We'll be listening to some of their favorite music and um, discussing the state of the world. Very intelligent man by the name of Philip Kramer, graduate from Penn State, rock journalist, and uh, just a great guy all around. And let's see, you know what a friend of mine brought me the other day, and I hadn't heard it in probably 20 years is an old uh, dance demo I did maybe 18, 20 years ago. And some of you know I love my dance music. Love it all. I love it all. I really do. But as an artist back then, I was doing dance. So much to the dismay of my then manager, who had just pretty much secured me a deal in Japan as a uh, singer-songwriter, you know, the, the girl with the angst and the broken heart. I had actually written a song called Broken Doll. So that tells you where I was going. But then I went to Paris and got turned around. And I decided that that music made me feel so good and so uplifted and so excited about life that I needed to try to make other people feel that way. Yep. So uh, that's what I did. (laughs) That's exactly what I did. And anyway, a good friend of mine, Sal, brought me this the other day. He found this CD. I guess I'd given it to him years and years ago. This is a song called Heartbeat. Heartbeat. 
by yours truly. Enjoy, huh? If I can get it going here. Give me a second. We have it. Enjoy.
that was Heartbeat by yours truly from about 20 years ago. And that's something we all have. We have a heartbeat. Those people that are being mistreated, ignored, murdered, uh, put down, judged, they have heartbeats. You just, you just can't do that. You know, there's an old saying from the Bible, judge not, least ye be judged. And I cannot stand judgy people. I don't like people that judge what someone else is listening to or what someone else is wearing or, or what they're eating or where they're going. Let people live their lives. If they're happy, be happy for them. They're not forcing it on you. It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. I think people that judge a lot are truly miserable SOBs, to tell you the truth. Um, Karen's, <laughs> that term has come to mind. And anybody out there named Karen listening, I'm sorry. But um, that's, uh, that's the word they're using. I prefer bitch. <laughs> I think bitch works better. But... Uh, they're saying Karen's. So anyway, yeah, um, it's, you know, every day I think nothing else can be done or, or said by our, our, uh, our leader that would shock me. And I'm wrong. I'm so wrong. You know, I'll, I'll sit there uh, in front of the telly or something with my mouth hanging wide open going, why is this shocking me? You think people can't get any lower or more bizarre or, or just, uh, it's just shocking. Someone I've known for oh, over 30 years uh, asked me a question uh, about two weeks ago. She said to me first, are you a Democrat? And I said, actually, I'm an independent, but it doesn't mean I vote for the independent candidate. I vote for whoever I think is best for the country. I get it that we need a little yin and yang, okay? Um, so I think we know who I'll be voting for this time around. You can put the Democrat hat on me for sure. But uh, that's what I told her. That was my response. And she said... There's there's a rumor going around, and I'm afraid it's true. I need to know what you think about it. I said, good grief, what is it? She said that celebrities and everybody, the Clintons, they were going to Epstein Island, and, and they were taking uh, juice or venom or something out of babies' necks, killing them and injecting themselves to be younger. Well... I chuckled, and then I realized she was actually serious. This is a very, very intelligent woman who has worked for major entertainment companies here. She started her own businesses. I mean, um, a smart woman, usually. So I said, hmm, okay, um, no, I don't think that's true. I don't think there's a baby ring, child sex trafficking ring, run out of a pizza parlor in D.C. I said, maybe out of the Catholic Church, but not out of a pizza parlor. Um, and yeah, they look young because they go over on Roxbury Drive and they have work done. <laughs> That's it. You know, um, 
it, it's just so bizarre uh, that she would even ask me that. And I guess that's one of those, how do you say, it? QAnon or QAnon rumors going around along with planes, planes full of dark-dressed people controlling Biden. And, you know, I had to remind her that Trump was a dear friend of Epstein. There's several, several hundreds of pictures of them together on the Internet. Um, and, uh, you know, and there's a little um, vocal pieces you can hear, too, of them talking about young girls. So uh, it, it's just... It's so bizarre to me. It's it's affecting my health. I'll be honest. I'm not sleeping well. I'm just kind of in shock. And um, I don't know what to say to everybody except what I said at the beginning of this podcast. Love, 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 and believe in good. And also remember, good against evil. I wrote a film about this years ago that... Uh, we hope to bring back the life called Alexander County. And it is about the fight of good against evil. And in the end of the film, good wins. But then it jumps a 100 years into the future and the evil is back. So remember this. It is a constant fight, good against evil. An absolute constant fight. Um, enough about that. How about some music for the Music for the Pandemic series? Uh, the gentleman I mentioned earlier, Mr. Philip Kramer, who is a doll. Um, appreciate him being here with us today. He has interviewed the likes of Ozzy, rode on a bus with Bob Marley. We're going to hear some great stories. Um, and he's working with a band now that I was very fond of in the 80s, and they are back. They were set to do some big shows, and then the pandemic happened. But actually, um, they're doing a show out of Vegas online. Uh, if we get this out in time, Sunday, um, Labor Day, the day before Labor Day, forgive me, at 3 o'clock, and you can find them, um, probably just Google it and find it. It's The Untouchables.
that was the untouchables with free yourself yes we have to free ourselves from this madness <laughs> um we're going to be right back with a little more music and then after that we'll be bringing you our very special guest mr philip kramer rock journalist music connoisseur self-proclaimed but i'm sure he is and I'm Bella. You're listening to Bella's Ballroom, an anchor podcast. Glad to have you here. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Bella. Thanks again for listening. This is Bella's Ballroom, an anchor podcast. You can find us uh, Radio Republic, Apple iTunes, Google Plays, and pretty much wherever fine podcasts are found. This is our Music for Pandemic series. This is a song that I've loved since the first time I ever heard it. It just uplifted me, made me feel good. And you must see these people in person when we get back to live music, if you haven't already. I was lucky enough to go to the Hollywood Bowl one night to see them. And uh, it was a sold-out show, no tickets available. I walked over, I lived near by myself, and um, ended up getting escorted in and having a very lovely evening and was just blown away by this band and you forget how many great hits they've had and uh, truly the soundtrack to our lives this is earth wind and fire with september
And that was Earth, Wind, and Fire with September. Can you believe we're already in September? It's uh, kind of mind-blowing, but you know what? The faster this year goes, the better. You're listening to Bella's Ballroom, our music for a pandemic series. We're an anchor podcast. We've got a very special guest coming up next, Mr. Philip Kramer. We'll be right back with Philip. Stay cool. Bye-bye. Hi, and welcome back. You're listening to Bella's Ballroom. You can find us on Apple, Google Play, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Uh, We are still doing our Music for a Pandemic series. If there's anything uh, special you'd like to hear, please let me know. And um, we've had some great guests. We've got a great guest today, like I mentioned earlier. We have South African music journalist, all-around self-proclaimed music connoisseur, and I don't doubt that for a minute, Mr. Philip Kramer. Hi, Philip. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm fine. How are you out there in, in, in the hottest place in the country, Woodland Hills? Or you're close to it, right? With, with the air conditioning down. But it's not, it's not bad. We're not actually that hot. I mean, it's... Our place is protected by trees and buildings. Oh, good, good. It's good. For those of you not in California, uh, we've had our historic heat wave, the hottest it's ever been in Los Angeles County. And, um, yeah. It was was 114 in Tarzana yesterday where I live. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, 121 in Woodland Hills. I think it was 113 here in, like, the Toluca Lake area. And, uh, yeah, it's been hot. We've been in. It's been a strange Labor Day weekend, but we're so happy you're here with us. And And dry heat. Dry heat, yes. It is a dry heat. Now, Philip um, has written for the likes of the LA Weekly, as long as several other magazines. He's interviewed some great people. He's got some great stories. There's something about you and Bob Marley on a bus. You want to tell us about that? Did you actually interview him, or how'd that come about, Philip? No, I didn't interview him. I met him. And more importantly, he got to smoke a joint with him. Oh, that's, that's everything, yeah. yeah. And he, he, a friend of mine back then was in the, in the world of reggae, was working on a movie. <laughs> Excuse me. Bob Marley was in town. It was... He played Paulie Pavilion, which is a the basketball arena at UCLA a couple of nights before, and then boom, they announced that he's playing the Roxy. So me and my friend, we dashed down there to see about getting tickets. There's like a thousand people blo- almost blocking the whole of Sunset. Oh, wow. No tickets to be had, da, da, da. So the next day, I'm just doing what I'm doing, and my friend calls me up and says, get down to the Sunset Roxy right now. I'm with Bob Marley in the band. We're going to the show in the bus. <laughs> so oh, fabulous. Show you show. All right, I'm off. Get down there. In the hotel room is Bob Marley, my friend, and about 10 other people. So it wasn't just a one-on-one situation, but, uh, you know, passing the spliff around and just chatting and et cetera, et cetera. What and, a good soul, uh, good energy he must have had, huh? Yeah, I mean, because he's a fairly smallish guy, and uh, but it's just, you know, he had that... That aura about him that, you know, everyone was just, it, it was kind of mind-blowing for me, certainly. And it was one of the few times that I met someone I, and I was actually at a loss for words. Yeah, that rarely happens with me, too. Mine was Joni Mitchell. <laughs> but I had the opportunity. So, go ahead. So we all pile up on the, bu- on the bus to go from the Sunset Marquee up to the Roxy. And there's maybe one other white person on the bus other than the two of us. 
we get to the Roxy, once again, a crazy, crazy scene. And the bus pulls out to the back and the security guards form a corridor for everyone from the bus to get back into, from the bus into the backstage at the Roxy. Yeah. As we step off the bus, the security line collapses and we get pushed to the side. Oh no. And from then on, the security guys didn't believe that we were on the bus. <laughs> oh no. Oh we, no. What we should have done was got straight back on the bus because the bus driver would have let us back on the bus and once they restored order, we would have been able to get in. But we didn't. So eventually, there's no one, there's no one outside and blah, blah, blah. The concert's about to begin. If we go around to the front to find Mario, who's the guy who managed the Roxy, who knew us. Not well, but knew us just from yeah. being he, around there. He actually owned the and Roxy. He was a dear friend of mine. The, the bus driver even came around and vouched for us. But no luck. No luck. Oh, well. So not only didn't we see Bob Marley, we had to walk all the way back to the uh, Sunset Marquee to pick up my car. <laughs> well, you still got a great story out of it. I I, I don't know. That's a pretty cool story. In, in the end, the story of not getting into the show is actually kind of better than the story of getting into the show. And sadly, that was his last tour. Um, not many... Not many shows later, he did a show in Pittsburgh, and that was the last show he ever did. Oh. And within six months, he was lost to us forever. But yeah, shame. A legacy, a legacy like none other. Really is. It really is. My godchild's father lives in his um, old house in Port St. Marie in Jamaica, um, who's a producer. You may know him, Richie Sinclair. But, uh, yeah, he was an amazing artist. I still dig him a lot. I met his son at Meetham a few years ago, a few years ago, more like 20 years ago in France. And, um, yeah, I got to piss the, the peace pipe with his son. So that's one little thing we have something in common there. But uh, who was your favorite person you interviewed? My, favorite, my, my best interview of all was Malcolm McLaren. Really? Oh. Yes. I like him. character. I started to say, I bet he's very interesting. And where did that happen at, Philip? It actually happened in the Island Records studio, in the Island Record offices on Sunset. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was after the Sex Pistols. He did a record that was half rap and half South African music. Wow. And so I had an interest in that. And it was when I was writing for the weekly and et cetera. And so the person at Island called me up, do you want to interview Michael McLaren was like Malcolm McLaren and it was hell yeah, yeah. and you know, he was a very interesting character I mean he really you know conceived the uh, Sex Pistols and was pretty a pretty outrageous guy in, in the most but he was also very I don't know he had a great twinkle in his eye he, he looked like he did in his I've never met him personally but in all the pictures I've seen he looks like he has a couple twinkles in his eye Exactly. <laughs> so, so very charming, very fun, and, and very into what he's doing, and very knowledgeable as well. So it was a really great conversation. It was more than just an interview. It was a great conversation. Wow, that's nice. That's nice. Now, you've interviewed the spectrum of music, especially back in the day. You interviewed um, Ozzy, didn't you? Um, actually, it was all back in the day. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, yeah I, did, I did quite a lot um, as I was doing other things. I... Uh, you know, worked for a, I was working, you know, because the LA Weekly didn't exactly pay a living wage for anything. Oh, so, gosh. 
Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, I don't know why I'm surprised. Shame. So I, I was working at a uh, retail marketing com record company called Image Consultants, which um, they, they did promotions on the retail level, like calling record stores and working with the distributors when a new re release is coming out, because that's that was the only currency of music at the time. It was listening to it on the radio and then going out and buying the record in the store. Yeah, yeah. I kind of miss those days, I'll be honest with you. I really do, you know. I, I you know, So it, it was interesting for me in that I really learned how the distribution of records worked. Wow. And, you know, it's kind of like if you're in the music business, you can do everything right and you can have the greatest release ever. And if you fail on the distribution level, your record fails no matter what. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that's pretty much across the board. Same with film or television. If you've got a good product, you've got to know how to market that product, though. No, now, absolutely. And, and um, you know, a lot of it, um, you know, back then just boiled down to sort of, you know, the old shoe leather thing and the phone of calling up the stores, to speaking to the buyers, even on the very local level, and then getting feedback from them as to what the record's doing. Exactly, exactly. So I learned, I learned that whole thing. And then around that time, I was invited to work with um, a local band called The Untouchables, who were kind of in the forefront of the Scar two-tone revival in America and in Los Angeles, where it was strongest. Yeah, it was you know, California Scar. Absolutely. I watched them online and yesterday, how wonderful it was. So, you know, I started working with them because they had a, they had a big following and uh, worked with them on putting out their first record, which uh, was quite a, an adventure in itself. Um, you know, we no one wanted to sign them because no one wanted to sign an unproven act then. And we even had uh, one label say, well, if they had any local following, we'd be interested. <laughs> yeah. we just, you know, we just, we, we could sell out the... They could sell out the palace I know. In, in Hollywood, which is like a 1,200 seater I know. pretty easily. And colleges and, everywhere. But they were different from what was being signed at the time. And I think that's why I liked them so much. I had never, I was not familiar with ska music coming from the East Coast and, 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 and down South. And yeah. I had never heard anything like that before. I just adored them. But back then, I think heavy metal was starting to come in and they were signing horrible acts left and right. A few good ones came out of L.A., but, you know, if you didn't have the hair and the, and the plastic pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but even, even the, uh, even the um, you know, even the sort of more mainstream, like, you know, the punk new wave people were having trouble being signed. Yeah, I know, I so know. It wasn't just, it wasn't just God, it was that whole alternative thing, was, yeah. oh, it's a, it's a passing, passing fancy. Yeah. So we eventually um, did, a, did a release with Restless Records, which was the P&D arm of Enigma. Now, P&D is pressing distribution, so they would press up and distribute the, the record that you had to do all the marketing. Interesting, interesting, yeah. So that way, you know, we would get most of the revenue from the album. So, you know, you didn't have to sell as many records because, you know, normally in a, in a big, you know, if a, a, a band does a deal with a major label, they're getting roughly $1 a record and that has to pay off the cost of the record and the et cetera, et cetera, before they even see a penny out of it. Yeah, yeah. We started getting 
money from the, you know, we, we borrowed some money to get into the studio, do the artwork, but not a fortune. Um, and so we made quite a lot of money. And Ron Gowdy, a great guy, ran Respus Records and may his soul rest in peace. He passed away in Holland last year. Oh. Great guy. But, um, you know, I said to him, he said to me he was going to press up 5,000 records. Uh-huh. And I said, they'll be gone by lunchtime, do 10. And he says, <laughs> don't worry. We've got our 24-7 round-the-clock pressing plant that we use. We can press up record another 5,000 in a day. I said, no problem. I'll take your word for it. Now, at the time, Enigma... Poison had released their first album on EMI and it had gone like mega platinum. Yep, I remember. They had done a previous record with Enigma. And so everyone wanted to buy the Enigma record as well. And Enigma made a lot more money out of that label because that was like a signing deal than they did out of like the Untouchables. So they got priority to press up records. So... Just as I predicted, the 5,000 records were gone by lunchtime on the first day. And we then sat for two weeks, just two to three weeks, while K-Rock was playing the shit out of the, 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 the album mm-hmm. with no product to get out there. Oh, shame. Shame. Yeah. Shame. <laughs> you were right. Eventually the, eventually, the channel opened up, and um, we then wanted to sort of get it to the next level. So we took a bit of a chance, and we did a video of one of the songs called uh, Free Yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I got a good friend of mine by the name of Tina Sylvie who wanted to break into the music video world. And she got the whole gang together. Um, everyone worked for free. We did this amazing video in 16 millimeter black and white video. Film, I mean, sorry. And a little bit of computer graphics. And it just worked. It just, it just yeah. clicked. That's my favorite song of theirs. I played it a bit earlier on the show. Um, on this show, uh, fantastic band, fantastic band, and I'm so happy that they're back out. I hate that it happened right at the pandemic because I know they had some big shows, and I was really looking forward to seeing them. But everybody, you can do, uh, look up the Untouchables online, Untouchables.com. Um, and they'll be back out next year, I'm sure, once we can congregate um, again check, safely. Check out, check out that video. It, it won Best Independent Video of the Year Award at Billboard. Yeah, it's a great video, great video. And I have been told, and it hasn't been verified, that the video is in the Museum of Modern Art in New York, somewhere stashed away in a closet somewhere. Oh, wow. It's one of the, one of the leading examples of early computer-generated graphics I love in it. music videos. I love it. I love it. Oh, that's and, very interesting. You know, Tina went on to produce videos for David Byrne and Nirvana, so it, it worked for everyone. It worked it for everyone. Time. Great, great. That's what you got to do. You got to come together and make things happen, help each other. I don't know what's wrong with some people today. They want to do just the opposite. Now, I, as I was about to say a little bit earlier, everybody wants to hear about your interview with Ozzy. We got some, some metal fans out there, I'm sure. How did that go and where did that take place? It took place at, uh, oh, no, mine's gone blank. Um, his father-in-law's house up in Bel Air. Okay. Um, his father-in-law was a big theater producer, mm-hmm. very rich, and mm-hmm. um, my mind has gone blank. So it's Sharon's father. Yes, uh-huh. 
Um, I can't remember the last name, but anyway, it was up at his house, so I go up there in my little sort of Toyota Corolla um, in a parking, and Ozzy is like he usually was, and that was when he was still indulging in uh-huh. all the things. That was, it wasn't an easy interview because uh, I couldn't understand 85% of what he was saying. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but I, I've I've heard that before. Him and Lemmy, if they got too high, it's like I just laughed on cue. You can't really understand well, you know, what they're saying. Was, was, even at the best of times, it wasn't easy to understand, and this wasn't the yeah. best of times. Yeah, oh boy. So, you know, I, I, I soldiered on asking him about some questions. You know, I can't remember what they were, and I really had very little idea what his responses were. But, you know, the tricky part was then going back and transcribing the... Uh, the uh, interview because mm-hmm. you know we had to do it on little cassette recorders and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. There was no, you know, digital program to transcribe yeah. an interview, yeah. and there probably would never be a, a digital program, a computer program that can actually decipher what Ozzy was saying and <laughs> transcribe it anyway. Oh my! So it was like I had to go. Okay, what would Ozzy say? Yeah, yeah. And to this question. Kind of fill in the blanks a little out, bit. You know, just some of these things, I could figure out where he was going. So I just basically filled in the gaps, gave it to the weekly, they published it, and no one ever complained. So either <laughs> people read it, and said, yeah, he probably said that, or no one read it. <laughs> or maybe he thought he said that and just didn't remember back then. Yeah, you got paid and nobody complained. There you have it. That's pretty good. That works pretty good. Now, um, it, was, it, was, it was a wonderful time, all in all, because uh, you know, just there was a lot of exciting music going on on the street level in Los Angeles. I know, I know. And while I wasn't really into the big hair sort of, I was into everything metal scene. I was very involved in the punk new wave scarcity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I loved it all. I was involved in all of it and the, the, the hillbilly cowboy stuff going on like like Texas band and just uh just I love it all then and I love it all now. That that's the way I am. Definitely the way I am. Now this is our music for a pandemic. Yes, he really does um reflect his father uh as far as his sound. Uh, this is Bella's Ballroom, and you're going to be listening to Steve Earle's son, Justin Earle, as chosen by our guest, Mr. Philip Kramer. Here's Justin Earle. Enjoy. Need 
was Justin Earle with Frightened by the Sound, our pick by our guest, Mr. Philip Kramer. Unfortunately, we lost Justin a couple weeks ago to, now it's been verified, a drug overdose. Um, my uh, condolences to his father, Steve Earle, and his mother and all his family. Uh, Philip, can I ask you why you chose this artist and this song? Yes, exactly, Philip, exactly. 
I, I try to keep positive, but sometimes, you know, it becomes so much that I think it's actually affecting the health, not just physical, but mental health of a lot of Americans, because we just were so in shock, because it's every day something, and sometimes two and three times a day, and um, it's it, it's just, I mean, the shirt I'm wearing now says hope is not canceled, and I have to remind myself of that, you know, so... Um, like Philip says, everybody, it's going to be okay. And if you know somebody that's lonely or suffering, reach out. Reach out. It's that simple. Um, so, Philip, how'd you end up at Penn State from South Africa? I'm curious. Well, love story. I, I was actually on my way to doing a law degree. And, oh. Um, then, uh, you know, my father was a lawyer, so I was going to follow in his footpath. And I was at college and getting very involved in the anti-apartheid movement. And so we kept getting arrested for various things. Not serious things, but it, it, there was no shame in being arrested for opposing that government. Of course. And um, every time we went to court, it was, uh, let's figure out a plea deal. Oh, boy. And... <laughs> Yeah. I wanted to be one of these crusading lawyers, da 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 da, etc. And wow. so I said, you know, I want to do something else. And I do, I've always loved writing, and I'd actually started doing music reviews for this college newspaper because that way I could get, get free records. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then I became news editor, and we started doing these outrageous things against the government, and. Uh, pissed them off no end and eventually all got arrested for 32 counts of obscenity and defamation by the government. Oh, wow. So we created quite a stir and... Uh, Bravo. You know, that then, uh, I don't know, you know, I wanted to be a writer and my parents said, you know, we need to kind of maybe have to get out of South Africa soon. Why don't you go to a journalism, a master's degree in journalism in America? So I came to Penn State. I was accepted into their journalism school, did a master's in journalism. Uh -huh. And while I was there, my parents came to visit and said, oh, we're immigrating to Los Angeles. So it was like, cool, see you in Los Angeles. Wonderful, wonderful. And that's how I showed up here. That's how you got there. I was going to ask you, I'm glad you brought up apartheid. I've had a couple of friends who lived through it. Um, some frightening stories, really. Uh, do you see some similarities to what's starting to happen here uh, with apartheid? Um, yes, I mean, it's basically we're looking at, you know, fa at how fascism operates. Mm -hmm. And in South Africa, we had no constitution. So if the government said, you know, we can arrest anyone we want and throw them into jail for 180 days without a warrant or without due cause, they could do it. Which they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but we do have a constitution, so that's kind of a bulwark against what is complete fascism, because yeah, it's yeah. from, you know... Could you call the White House and remind our president that we have a constitution? So, our constitution, well, uh, there's no point in doing that. Yeah, I know, I'm um, just joking. Um, he doesn't give a shit about it. I know. Stop. And even some of his own judges have stood up to him. And our constitution, uh, our system hasn't broken. It's under severe stress. Yes. But another four years, it will break. Absolutely, I agree. I agree. That's and it's going to be it's going to be tough because he, if it's if it's 
it is not a an absolute blowout of an election, he will say it's rigged and he will refuse to leave office. He will refuse to leave. difficult. Yeah. I think he will be yeah. forced to ultimately. So I have hope. And, yeah. you know, just one last thing. Sometimes it has to kind of get worse in order to get better so people can see what, get a clearer vision of what things really are about. Yes, and yes. I felt that in South Africa and our cause seemed utterly hopeless at the time. And look at it now, yeah. And so, but it's, and it was also okay. It's going to have to get a little bit better, worse before it gets better, and it did. It did. And I was telling this to people four years ago. Uh-huh. I didn't factor in a pandemic or the plague. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a bit of a surprise for all of us, love. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? It's we will all be stronger for this on the other side. Oh, thank you, Philip, for your your words of encouragement. You know, it's it's. You're never too old to stop being an optimist. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're still spring chickens, sort of. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Listen. Absolutely. Just enjoy life, enjoy life, because there's always something to enjoy. There really is, whether it's a song, a meal, a phone call, a, a cat, a dog, even something. A, even if you're sitting in a room and you can't go anywhere because the air condition's yeah. broken, and it's too fucking hot, you can still... <laughs> Enjoy life. Poor thing. I hope you have you got it fixed this morning, I hope. Um, we're working on it. Working on it. Well, good luck with that, darling. I'm so glad you came on and visited us here and it was, I hope it was a pleasure for me as well. I hope one day to, to see you again soon and be able to sit down and break bread and um, just talk how we made it out on the other side. Thank you for your words of encouragement. Yes. You take care. God bless you. Stay stay safe, Philip. Everybody, this is Bella's Ballroom. That was our very special guest, Mr. Philip Kramer. We'll be back in just a moment. We'll play a little more music and talk a little more before we bid you adieu. So remember, Bella's Ballroom, we're an anchor podcast, and you can find us on Apple, Google Plays, Radio Republic, and wherever fine podcasts are found. We'll be right back. Want to say thank you again for Philip Kramer dropping by. This is our Music for a Pandemic series, and you're listening to Bella's Ballroom. Uh, I came across this artist, uh, I want to say new, she's new to me, she might have been around for a minute, but, or she's become very popular in a short amount of time. This video alone has over 6 million views, and rightfully so. She's fantastic, the song is fantastic, kudos to the writers, whoever they may be. Um, I'll try to find out for you. Her name is LP. The song is The One That You Love. You're listening to Bella's Ballroom. Oh
sun Try to be your homegirl A place that you go to Play with my homegirl Put it in your hands Really trying hard but I don't understand SLP with the one that you love. We're going to be hearing a lot more from this lady. I know that. Um, there's other songs. We're going to play more of her on upcoming shows. And I'm sure she's got a mega huge career ahead. Uh, very interesting voice. Not your run of the mill, which I like. Uh, very unique artist. That was LP. And you're listening to Bella's Ballroom. And um, yeah, so... We're holding tight now. We're holding tight. It is um, Labor Day weekend. Not that far from elections here in the United States of America. And we are the United States of America. And anyone who tries to divide us or uh, pin us against each other, they're not good for us. They're really not good for us. I really do not want to see a civil war. Um, I don't think any of us do. I would hope not. But, um, you know, we could go that direction if things keep going the way they're going. I, I just, every day, like I said earlier, I'm in shock. My mouth hangs open. and You know, all we can do is, like Philip said, be positive, hang in there, stick together. Good prevails, but it is a constant fight. And um, hope for the best. Yeah, definitely hope for the best. Get America back to being great. It was never not great till about three and a half years ago. That's my opinion. And I think a lot of people who are sane have the same opinion. Um, yeah, we talk politics on here. Oh, yes. We play music. What else you want to talk about? Sex? Huh. Well, for those of us that are hoping to meet somebody, the pandemic has kind of put, <laughs> put a little damper on that. There is somebody out there, and I know you listen to me. Pick up the phone and call me again. This time, speak. That would be nice. Anyway, everybody, um, in honor of our guest from South Africa... I'm going to wrap up the show with a great song uh, from Lady Smith, um, South African artist. I've mentioned before that I have a few friends from South Africa also, and I have always been fascinated with the continent and the culture. Uh, growing up, my mother had some pieces in her home. Um, she had been there as a child. And um, I've always enjoyed African and Afrikaans music. 
One day I'd like to learn to speak a little Afrikaans, which is a combination of African and Dutch. Um, going to wrap up the show. I'm going to go ahead and say goodbye to you. Thank you for listening. And uh, always thinking of you. Wishing you the best, always. And we're going to close out with Lady Smith, Black Mambazo. The song is Homeless. Oh!